Hello and welcome to the Access of Space Defense and Security podcast. I'm Omkar Nikam, your host for this episode. In this podcast, we explore the latest developments and trends in the fields of space exploration, defense technology, and national security. Each episode features insightful interviews with experts and industry leaders who share their perspectives on a wide range of topics, including the latest advances in satellite technology, space exploration missions, military defense strategies, cybersecurity, and more. Whether you are a space enthusiast, a military professional, or someone interested in the latest innovation in technology and security, this podcast has something for you. Join us as we delve into the cutting-edge research breakthroughs that are shaping the future of space defense and security. Stay tuned. Yes, I believe it is a very extensive process, and I think identifying yeah. <laughs> uh, proper. Uh, i would say elements you cannot really design it and you know what if you know everything fails at the foundation as well and then you get to know at the end that okay it's not the right thing that you have done <laughs> you have to do start from <laughs> scratch again so yeah, yeah i believe it, it needs a lot of expertise uh, and people with uh, several years of experience uh, would be in a position to actually take a leadership uh, decisions on such critical aspect on creating the foundation of the program uh, just to get into the deeper uh, into this topic in what ways has the land- landscape of uh, insider risk management evolved in recent years especially with the rise of remote work yes this is also really interesting um insider risk management is something that has substantially gone up um also because remote work is something that has given um that has allowed people to step away from the office environment their work environment which is usually more secure to their home environments and you know people working in cafes um going uh, and working remote from another location all of these uh, have actually made it difficult for uh, companies to withhold security principles but it's it's not important it's just that we need to make sure the employees are aware so th- the biggest issues can be that there are more insecure networks out there we need to make sure that nobody logs into you know open wifi sources or something um that is uh, not secure enough for accessing important or classified networks or data within an organization but even cyber crime has increased substantially in the recent years we now see phishing and scamming as a service it has become business in itself it is now it knows that there are more people sitting uh, at home and they're more vulnerable to uh, you know getting these calls and they're more vulnerable in that setting to be vict- become victims of uh, of cyber crime so it has really gone up um even with internet of things uh it has connected your whole ecosystem uh your whole cyber ecosystem or information technology ecosystem into one so if even one is breached then all of its systems are inadvertently breached as well um then there's also a lot of differences um uh, different methods of storing data a lot of organizations are now going towards proud uh, cloud providers uh, which come in different uh, combinations but it essentially means that um there is the third party involved in storing data and in 
um, essentially it's not on site anymore it's not physical it's off site and it's more virtual and it's more accessible through the web and the internet and cybercrime is something that can happen there as well um, another aspect that's slightly related to remote work is also just the advancement of um, the whole infrastructure that we have at work these days. Everything has become more virtual. Um, and not only that, the physical security in premises have also gone substantially up. So it also means that now threat actors are looking at more easier methods or more or different methods than you know physical breaches to reach into um, to reach out to people with author, you know authorized access so that they can continue with their cybercrime. Um, for insider risk management, all of these things have really made it a lot more difficult to gauge um, also with cyber espionage, like we also mentioned during satellites, um, you they don't need to know exactly what the technology does or how to use it as long as they can find one weak link or one vulnerability to exploit. And that's all it takes to uh, get into the networks and working from home or, or the new way of working is something that makes it slightly more easier for these threat actors. Yes, and uh, from technical perspective, because uh, we have seen that uh, open source intelligence, there are a lot of tools out there, uh, which mm -hmm. I know uh, uh, people from Bellingcat as well and several other journalists, investigation journalists too, uh, utilize open source intelligence tools. So, with that aspect, or you know, with that perspective, I would say, what tools and technologies are available for organizations to monitor and address insider threats effectively? Um, the two or three that are actually used a lot more than others, one is uh, data loss prevention. It is a comprehensive approach to protecting sensitive information from unauthorized access, sharing and exposure, uh, both within an organization or outside an organization. So, for example, you could think of something like having labels uh, on emails and documents that classify those documents as public, private, confidential, um, and that helps people realize what they're dealing with, what the information uh, that they're sharing, um, and it helps uh, organizations deal with um, addressing threats slightly more effectively. This is obviously one part of it. The other, um, another thing is called user and entity behavior analytics that's also a technical tool that a lot of organizations now put in place. This, of course, requires a lot of effort from the organization as well. It needs to be tailored to the organization and the data that they have and the user behavior that they have. There needs to be a backlog of behaviors that they can study and use machine learning to understand what normal behavior looks like and what an anomaly could look like. Um, and something else that uh, uh, organizations also use is something called data exfiltration uh, controls, which essentially, if you're shifting a bulk of data, they, it creates a trigger. Um, and that's been in the use as well in a lot of organizations. Some 
security principles that are also important over here is security by design, which is by design, any application or any system and any networks are secure um, and they're more robust. So even if there is um, there is a control, there is a breach, there are more things that actually stop uh, it from reaching the core competencies or the core uh, systems and stop that breach from reaching further. There's something called security by obscurity. Uh, it's all about giving the right access to the right people, limiting um, the risk individuals pose if they do not have privileged access. Um, there's also something called 4i principle, wherein there are two people looking at the same data set. So even if one is um, one is doing something wrong, the other person can create an alert and then see what the best thing is. So there are a lot of technical and non-technical controls, but they all need to be filtered to the data that you're dealing with, to the work that you're dealing with, the organization's um, uh, user and entity behavior, and then see, um, and then make sure it has some false uh, false positives and positives to understand exactly what the anomalies could look like. So it really needs to work uh, in sync for a long while um, and then it's in place and that really helps uh, organization as technical controls to ensure that they get the right red flags um, sooner than later. Yes, right. And, uh... I mean, uh, for this question, you don't have to give a very precise answer, but in general, you can mention. <laughs> so what are the key metrics or indicators that organizations yeah. should track to gog their level of vulnerability to insider risk? Yeah. Um, tracking is also, of course, um, it's it has to be through compliance and through audits that you set something up. But like I mentioned with other tools, uh, user access and activity is something that organizations sometimes try to see what the patterns are if if the users are able to you know uh, log in correctly if they're missing out their passwords a lot or um, what the right time is if they're sometimes logging in late at night for gaining access to something that they don't really need access to so that's also something that organizations check, which is similar to data access and usage, uh, what they're accessing and how relevant it is to their role. Then, like I said before, data exfiltration is also something um, that organizations sometimes track to see um, what, what is being downloaded, what is being shared and how much information is being shared. So for example, if you're sharing uh, to yourself in your personal email, 50 GB of information from your work email, that's something that would definitely will create a trigger and then that will be looked into to see, oh, what exactly are you sharing and why you're sharing it uh, to your personal um, email or, or wherever you're sharing it. So those are the things that create small red flags. Um, then there is privileged user monitoring. Privileged users are basically users that have more uh, access than all other employees. Uh, so just monitoring how their, what their activities are and what level of access they need. Then uh, user authentication and authorization is also something that a lot of organizations are going for. You must be aware of uh, MFA, but so 
even failed authentication attempts and account lockouts are, are something that organizations track sometimes to see what is going on and if there's something out of the normal. A good example for this is um, the Uber data leak that happened in 2022, which was a result of a spear phishing attempt, which basically set out a lot of notifications to one of the users uh, for authentication uh, for login, and they thought it was a bug. They uh, reached out to their IT team, but they received an message from a from a fake IT representative um, and they said to just accept it. They did and their credentials were then of course uh, taken up and their account was hacked and then that gave very easy access to the threat actor causing the Uber data leak um, in 2022. The last, yeah. uh, well not really the last yeah. but Another thing is any similar cases of uh, insider risk that has happened within the organization to understand false positives and negatives um, and to make sure what the detection capabilities are in the system that really helps set up your technical controls later on. And those are some of the tools, uh, some of the metrics and indicators that organizations should look at. Yes, I yes. think uh, you have mentioned think, uh, uh, so yeah. many things, uh, starting from data breach. <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. I believe in the space industry, especially since the commercialization has taken off, people literally operate as if uh, space is a fluffy fur ball, you know. There are no national security aspect to it, you know, <laughs> because I think most yeah. of the people entering the space industry are entering just because of science fiction films. And it's only when they enter, they get to know exactly what they're dealing with. And it's an unfortunate thing that commercialization yeah. has not been so strong. It's a lot of power is still in the hands of the government. And I still feel that it should be in the hands of the government, at least till the time the government figures out how to accommodate the commercial organizations in the national security mm -hmm. aspects and verticals. Uh, because what is happening is a lot of companies don't really know the kind of uh, data they are dealing with. Like I can yeah. tell on the record, I know a lot of companies which don't even have a cybersecurity suit uh, <laughs> to, you know, uh, exchange uh, things within their organization and outside their organization as well. So literally yeah. I can hire a, a possibly a hacker <laughs> from <a> freelancer.com <laughs> and possibly, you know, get uh, things uh, done. But uh, yeah, that's the kind of ecosystem in which the space industry operates. So I hope the space industry audience who are listening to this episode, uh, please take care uh, of all the things. It's better to invest now in insider risk than yeah. investing when you're completely losing out on everything. I mean, when you lose, you might lose everything because startups really don't have the capacity uh, to, you know, start everything from scratch again once you lose in terms of finances or assets as well so yeah that's the point i just wanted to kind of highlight uh, to the audience no that's uh, so correct yeah. yeah yeah and uh, proceeding ahead how can employee education and awareness program contribute to a stronger defense against insider threats yeah this relates really nicely to the current role that i have uh, as a security awareness lead so really happy to answer this one <laughs> 
um, but awareness and education is super important in any organization because we're upskilling our employees and we're giving them an opportunity to actually uh, be more empowered in taking better or more cyber secure you know decisions um, awareness risk awareness helps them understand what the red flags are what the reporting looks like how to report and what the new tactics are as well out there in the market so if they see something similar they can you know ring the bells or let somebody know that oh i read about something this is exactly what's happening and i'm slightly concerned and that really helps uh, all the security teams of course to take better decisions and to act more uh, rapidly on on these instances second is basic security awareness now every organization has plethora of rules and not all of them are always going to be interested in security. I think everyone in security thinks that it's the it's the most important thing. But of course, I, I would never expect somebody in marketing to be more, as passionate about security as I am, for example. Um, and, and that's just the way it is, right? Otherwise, they would also be working in security. So we need to make sure that we have basic security awareness for all employees. That now includes password security. It includes social engineering tactics. It includes um, best practices of you know taking care of your uh, technical uh, um, your technical devices, your office devices. What's acceptable and what's not acceptable for IT perspective. Uh, with their devices, um, a lot of these things, uh, more information about how malware works, how viruses works, what you should download, what you shouldn't. So all of these things are basic security awareness things that every employee should understand. And what this helps with awareness and training, what really helps is creating a culture of security. Now, this is something that I see spoken about a lot by organizations, but it's also slightly very tricky to achieve because it's it's something that requires a lot of attention and engagement for all employees that you have, right? So you would want everyone to make sure that they have this sense of security in their head somewhere. So even if they see their employee leaving their laptop open while going to grab coffee or going to grab lunch, they're going to be like, oh, oh wait, you need to you know, close your laptop or you need to log out so that nobody misuses it. So that's the sort of culture that you need to have within your organization that allows people to uh, assist everyone in being more empowered and taking better decisions. And this also means that creating this sort of culture also comes with the fact that you have to create a culture where if somebody makes a mistake, that's also accepted and it's easier then to address them. So for example, um, I, I was taking a questionnaire and the one of the questions was, can you tell your manager that you made a mistake or you lost your company device or you got hacked or you clicked on a malicious link? Because if you can, then the company is letting you know that oh, we're there to take care of you and they're following the duty of care that they have towards the employee as well. Um, but if you can't, then you are delaying the whole process. You are actually in a position where you are aware of a very important uh, intelligence or information um, and the security teams are not. So they can't take any action until it's too late. 
um, that's that's something that you know we should really inculcate through awareness and education within our organizations. And lastly, especially with insider risk, it needs to be mentioned that not every abnormal activity needs to be a suspicious activity. So in case somebody sees something wrong happening and they're reporting it, which is great, but they also need to know not everything would lead to uh, an incident or, or an attack or, or something. So they need to be reassured as well. And they need to be, it it's, needs to be made sure that they're keeping security in mind while not hampering the work that they're actually hired to do. So they have security in mind, but they can still carry out their functions. They can still do their day-to-day -day life without it being very heavy on them mentally or work-wise or workload-wise. Like we need to balance awareness and education and also the engagement that we can get from users and create a plan that actually works for everyone involved. Yes. And uh, looking ahead as a, I would say as an individual who is associated with this domain for the past few years now, mm -hmm. what trends do you foresee in the field of inside risk management and how can organizations prepare for these developments? Um, looking ahead, it's so cybercrime, espionage, all of these things are actually uh, supposed to go a lot up. <laughs> it's said that the cybercrime estimate of, of this year is in around 700 million or, or billion i i need to check that correctly again but it's it's really high um oh and that means that there are more uh so for example uh, business email compromise is something that uh, has cost companies around 41 billion uh up until now and uh, fbi came out with a report as well on how important this is to uh, address within companies but these business email compromise, data leak, state-sponsored espionage, all of these uh, developments and trends that we see around us, the threat landscape is only going more complicated and new and new actors are coming in as we go more towards cloud and more towards working from home um, and, and more virtual essentially. Uh, more vulnerabilities are bound to come up sooner and later and According to a lot of uh, reports, uh, including the IBM report, uh, human error, at least for data leak, is one of the key factors now. So human error is in the middle of cybersecurity and human, uh, which is why we need to make sure that organizations are well prepared for these. How does this come by? We Organizations need to have the right capacity, the right resources for the security teams they need to invest in developing um, th the right controls. They need to invest in allowing the security teams to have the right resources so they can carry out their works. They can educate themselves more with what is happening. Um, and they feel confident in, uh, you know, taking, uh, going head to head against a cyber uh, incident that's, that can happen anytime soon. So, this level of preparedness is something that organizations really need to work towards and ensure that it's part of their budgets, it's part of their policies, and it's part of their day-to-day -day execution as well. That's, I think, the right direction for organizations to move towards. Okay. 
i think we are now reaching at the end of the podcast uh, so yeah. yeah so that this last question is not related to our topic uh, but it is meant for the students because there is a lot of student audience uh, uh, both you know the people who are pursuing the degrees uh, bachelor's mm-hmm. masters uh, phd's as well as the people who are actually the researchers in the academic domain and the postdoc uh, institutes too so from that perspective this question is for them because you know a lot of students i have seen they change their or switch their career uh while yeah. during the phd as well and you know from my personal experience uh, i believe i didn't personally had a lot of mentors uh, who would put me on the right path so that's the reason mm-hmm. i have kept this question because each and every expert and the guest speakers whoever comes on this podcast have some insights or anecdotes to provide to the students so yeah from that point of view i have drafted this question Uh, so what message would you like to share with student researchers and other stakeholders willing to participate and engage in intelligence and security studies i think it's it's a very interesting field um intelligence and security studies i personally really enjoyed my time um studying it as well but what um i would really like to emphasize it is don't see instances as just simple problems to solve because most of security or intelligence related uh situations are more complex than they look uh in the first look so it's always important to understand it as a process and then see where we can interject and place better controls where we can use communication better where we can use the right tools and technologies to make it easier for everyone around us because it's often simple solutions that go the longest um and since people are the key to security uh and they're at the very middle of intelligence and security studies as well um and they're the main stakeholders we need to be more accountable towards them we need to make sure that we look at the short as well as long term impacts of any policy recommendation any action any step that we take towards um towards any issue any situation that we are in where we have the capacity to make change while making change is really important there's always uh, a lot of things to consider and i think it is on people in sec- it is on people with secure like in the security field that should be held more accountable to ensure that they're taking the right decision um and then making sure that they have um looked at all perspectives they've taken taking a look from all the lenses that are around there and then they're taking the best possible uh step with the best interests in mind for all uh, for everyone around them that's my biggest message i think for anyone working in the field interesting thank you very much garima for providing such a valuable insights into this topic uh, and yeah as as i told you previously too you're the first uh, guest to open this series of uh, insider risk management topics uh, i hope especially the space industry people uh, listen to this episode very carefully because uh, this basic things uh, like you know what is insider risk uh, what is insider threat uh, i would say the ground level definitions of uh, several aspects involved in this process it's very important mm-hmm. and uh, the space industry people are uh, mainly unaware about this thing because of course you know uh it was not commercialized it is the industry has been commercialized yeah. very recently uh, just a decade ago so uh, i hope uh, you all enjoy this episode and thank you very much garima again uh, for giving us your precious time 
and we hope to host you again in the future episodes as i said there are several questions that have popped up during the conversation so yeah looking forward to having you again on the podcast thank you so much thank you for listening to this episode if you find our podcast insightful then please like share and subscribe see you in the next episode thank you